For more resources, visit rymonline.org. The Local Youth Worker is a daily podcast that's centered on five questions each week. Ranging from the practical to the professional, we're looking for answers to the questions you're asking. Whether you're in full-time, part-time, or even volunteer youth ministry, this podcast is for you. All right, everybody, welcome back. I'm here with Jonathan McGuire, who's assistant pastor at First Prez in Belzona. Even though it looks like Belzoni. Some people say Belzoni. Only those who aren't from the town. Okay. <laughs> Belzona, Mississippi. Um, so, so, Jonathan, our question today is, what's an encouraging truth that you reflect upon to give you proper perspective in youth ministry? And it can be more than one, but um, one truth or, or a few. It's a great question. And over the, the last 17 years of youth ministry, the answer has changed a number of times, but mostly because I, I lack the understanding and wisdom to know what I really should be dwelling upon. And while it's probably easy to say, well, you have to dwell on Christ. Well, any, anyone in any vocation has to dwell on Christ. So that's the answer to every question. <laughs> to get more specific, what is one singular encouraging truth that I have had to keep coming back to? I would say it's this. The, the minister's vocation, and I'm well aware that there may be some people who are listening who have no desire to ordain ministry. They don't want to go into full-time ministry. They're, they're part-time youth workers. They might be youth volunteers. All of that said, we all have to find, we all have to understand what it is Christ is calling us to do in ministry. If we are in a serving leadership role in a church, let's just say youth pastor. You really only have four jobs. Your job is to preach or teach. You're, in other words, you have to explain the truth of scriptures. Yes, a, a man with a Bible can learn a great deal about God, but there's a reason we value learning and education in at least the Reformed world, the, the Presbyterian Reformed Baptist world. And that is because there are, I love what Peter says in 2 Peter 3, as he's reflecting on the writings of Paul, and he says, there are some things in them that are hard to understand, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction. Right? That's a terrifying thing, but could he have had maybe Romans 9 in view, you know, the predestination? What about Ephesians 3, how Christ and, and the Father are able to do more than we could possibly ask or imagine, which that's a humbling thought. Whatever Peter was referencing in Paul's writings, Scripture needs to be explained. We have to keep that as our primary job. Our job is to explain the scriptures. Secondly, our job is to pray fervently, not for somebody's liver to be healed, though we should bring every request to God, but especially that we would be holy. Hebrews 12, 14 is a verse every, everyone working with youth especially should memorize, and that is, there is a holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Adults, have a better understanding of sin, have a better understanding of holiness, usually because they give birth to several sinners themselves and <laughs> they have more sinners living in their own household. But youth rarely have an understanding of holiness because their entire culture is breeding in them a mindset of consumption. They are to view themselves as consumers of products more than Christians who are holy. 
And so we have to pray that they would be holy. So we have to teach and explain the scriptures, pray that we would be holy, and then we have to counsel them. And when we meet one-on-one with students, when we go to them in the hospitals, when we're willing to go back into the halls of high school, if a high school allows it. I've been in situations in the Northeast where you were not allowed as a church worker into a school of any sort. So you have to figure out ways to get into the life of students who otherwise may not have anyone like you in their life. When we sit with them, we are counseling them. We're not simply there to ask them what they're reading and find out about the school play. That's all just part of being friends. But remember, we're ambassadors to Christ first. And so we counsel them, and we have to, as one man in Bebo Elkin put it, we have to learn to ask questions that drive them to the Holy Christ and the Holy Spirit. What do you pray for? What does it feel like when you read Scripture? I don't mean do you feel God's presence, because quite frankly, a man can read Scripture for 30 years and never feel God's presence. That doesn't mean God is not working through him and to him through the Word and prayer. But do you feel obligated to read Scripture, or is it your delight? If it's not your delight, why isn't it? Again, there's a thousand questions we can ask. How are you, to a guy, how are you, are you viewing women? Are they a product for you to consume? Are you objectifying them? Are you treating them like a cell phone? How do you gossip? Do you gossip? Do you know what gossip is? Do you understand what language is for? Why has Christ spoken to us? Why is he described as the word from the Father? Why are we commanded to mirror and reflect the word of God? The questions are manifold, and the longer a a person is in ministry and works hard at asking these very awkward questions, (laughs) the better and easier they get. But we must preach the word and explain it. We must pray for holiness, and we must counsel them in how those two things are tied together. And last, it is visitation. We've got to visit. And I mentioned this a little bit, so I won't say much, but I have found sometimes that a person just doesn't think I really love them until I visit them a number of times. I do, but I'm one of those guys that doesn't come across the way I wish I did upon first meeting. And it's a running joke with me and most of my students that they thought I was an absolute jerk until they got to know me over a couple of months. And I always tell them, I'm so thankful your parents required you to come to youth group until you realized I really did like you. I just, I I tend to to wear a a face that is not happy-go-lucky. I'm very much thinking in my head, and sometimes I'm thinking about problems I can't figure out, and I wear that expression on my face. Uh, I did the same thing, yeah. I also have a lot of health problems, so I've got migraines and all this other kind of thing, and I grit my teeth, and you just kind of look angry when you walk around like that. But, uh, you know, when you visit someone, when you drive 50 miles or 100 miles to an away game, and you bring your children with you, they start thinking, why is he doing that? And, and oftentimes, until, until someone believes that you truly love them, they will not listen to you anyway. That's a, that's a cliche, but it's so true. So we must preach, pray, counsel, and visit. And, and essentially, the encouraging truth that constantly brings me back to focus is this is all I'm supposed to do. I don't have to do anything else to be faithful to my calling. And when I remember that perspective, it helps me stay focused. Yeah. And that's great. And as you're saying, this is all we're supposed to do. I mean, it's great to think about kind of the simplicity of those four points and keeping those in perspective. 
Absolutely. And then at the same time, the enormity of those calls. Oh, it's all consuming. <laughs> yeah. I wake up at three in the morning and realizing, you know, I need to pray for someone. And I mean, it's just, it's, you can't get away from those four. It is 24 seven, but again, that gets back to boundaries, which we previously discussed. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah but that, that's helpful to think of it in those four points. So thanks for giving us that concise way to, to think about that. Sure. Um, all right. Thanks, Jonathan. Mm-hmm.